You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. You're listening to The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. Welcome, I'm Mo Brady. One of the loudest and most vibrant cultural conversations on Broadway has been about racial representation. Throughout dressing rooms and across casting tables, there's a persistent desire from audiences and artists to see more diverse stories on stage. And yet, the racial diversity of our country isn't yet reflected in the racial diversity of Broadway performers. I've been curious what this feels like for artists of color, so I've asked a few into the studio to share their experiences with racial representation in the theater industry with us. Hailing from Atlanta, Georgia, Aisha Jackson has been a constant presence on Broadway stages for the last five years. Starting as a swing on Beautiful and then creating one of the ensemble tracks in Waitress, this month she finishes her run as the honest standby in Frozen on Broadway. She joined me in the studio to talk about her experiences as an actress of color, particularly in taking on characters created by her Caucasian counterparts. Here's our conversation. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Will you introduce yourself and tell us what neighborhood of New York City you live in? Sure. My name is Aisha Jackson, and I live in Harlem. What's your current job? My current job is standing by for the role of Anna in Frozen on Broadway. I'm interested in your entrance into theater, both Mm -hmm. as an audience member and a potential theater artist. Oh, yeah. My brother came home (laughs) and was like, hey, we're doing Once on this Island at my school. We all went to a performing arts high school in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, he was like, do you want to audition to be the little girl, the little Mm T-Moon? So that was kind of my first entrance into the world of theater. And I felt like I was surrounded by people of color, people that look like me playing these characters. Of course, Once on This Island being a show that is predominantly a black cast, being introduced into that world, I was like, oh, I see myself 
all over this story. Right. And my first Broadway show that I ever saw was Memphis. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, seeing Montego Glover, like, leading the way up there was very inspiring. And it was, a, again, another thing of, like, oh, I see myself all over this. This is great. And it's beautiful to feel seen and, like, represented. Was the theater community that you grew up in, the mm-hmm. performing arts high school, what was the racial diversity? It was predominantly black. Okay. Yeah. So that's why when I say, like, I always saw myself around. Yeah, we did shows that were telling our stories. And and even if we were singing from Wicked or anything else, it was like we were singing it. So I didn't really feel like, oh, there aren't many parts for me. Or we even went to the extent of writing our own musicals. So I always felt included. I always felt seen, especially growing up in that community. And are the roles that you're playing, are they like To Moon and Once on this Island, like a role that is specifically for a black artist, an African-American artist? Mm-hmm. Or are you playing roles that were created by people of multiple diversities? I would say a little bit of both. Like I was saying, we we wrote shows for to represent stories like about people of color so you know (laughs) um so we had roles and things that I was that I would step into um and then I went to the University of Northern Colorado that is not a predominantly black area (laughs) um so it was a difference but I think I think I learned so much in that community and in in those storytelling opportunities and played Reno Sweeney in Anything Goes (laughs) in college right so yeah I feel like I've always had a little bit of it doesn't matter what color person this role was written for. If you're a human being and you fit the part and you can like relay this story, then you're technically right for it. Once you moved to the city, have you felt like your opportunities to audition have been different from your Caucasian counterparts? I think that sometimes the Caucasian actor is looked at first or more seriously hmm. for certain roles or to be a leading lady. or to, And I feel like people of color are looked at to be the supporting role or the best friend with sass. I think we are put into those pockets, but I think the casting world and the creative teams and the storytellers are expanding. Therefore, their view of what we are capable of playing is also expanding in a way. Um, And so we are being given more opportunities and being seen seriously for roles that are not just like you over there in the corner or or like filling the diversity quota in the ensemble. You know, it's actually being seen as like, oh, no, you can lead this show. Yeah. And I, I think that'll continue to happen as our playwrights and creative teams and producers and directors and casting directors look like us mm-hmm. and, and want to tell stories that are about everyone and not just one specific race are the things that you've wanted to be seen for that you haven't been no i pretty i ask (laughs) i ask and like i've been very blessed i know because not everyone has that experience but yeah many the roles that i see myself myself in i I ask to go in for and sometimes roles that i don't see myself in are offered to me or i'm asked to be seen for them and i'm like oh they want to see me for that Okay. That was the case with Anna, correct? Um, That was funny. I went in for Elsa first. (laughs) Um, And that was the case when when my agent called me and was like, hey, they're seeing, they want to see you for Elsa. And I was like, huh? And he was (laughs) like, yeah. And it wasn't like, I know I can sing Elsa. I know that I can, I could possibly play that role. But immediately my thought was they want to see a person of color for Elsa. Like, are they actually going to, because I do know oftentimes, like, There are equity rules. You have to see all ethnicities and things for these roles. And so they do call us into the room sometimes. That doesn't always mean that you're 
you're ready to take that leap and be like, yes, we want a person of color to be the leading lady in our show. As a Disney character, as a Disney princess, like there's a lot of layers of audience expectation of what characters in Frozen look and sound like. Yeah. So I I was surprised. That's how it should be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Because these are fictional characters. So yeah, I went in for Elsa and then they told me that I was too young and bubbly. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, but I'm an older sister. I have a little sister. But they want to see you as Anna. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let's do it. Like she, she's a leading lady. She goes on a journey. She falls in love. She's, I was like, sure, let's do it. And so I went in for it. And even in that process, I had um, someone in casting sit me down and be like, we're looking at you. Bring yourself into the room. Have fun. Make it yours. We're not just seeing people of color to, to check that box off. We are looking at you. We are considering you highly for this role. And I was like, okay, thank you. Thank you for saying yeah. that. All three of your Broadway shows have been shows with multicultural casts. Yes. Have you done a professional show with an all-black cast? Uh, Witness Uganda. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we have one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Witness Uganda, and I had the opportunity to work on the lab of Ain't Too Proud. So those are the two. How do those, do those experiences being in a room with all black creators? feel amazing. (laughs) Tell me about it. You feel represented. You walk, I mean, just like in the world. When you walk around and you see yourself represented, it makes you feel seen. It makes you feel like what you have to say matters and it's important. But yeah, there's a level of comfort that you get from looking around a room and not being the only person that looks like you. <laughs> What's the stress in a room that doesn't look like you? Uh, am I being judged? Uh, am I being looked at differently? Am I expected to act a certain way? All those things, I think, are running through your mind. Not constantly. And I'm not sitting there, like, uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not like, oh, my, I'm the only one. But more often than not, we people of color find ourselves in these rehearsal rooms, in these productions where we are the only people of color. And for Frozen, our production stage manager, Lisa Dawn Cave, amazing. <laughs> um, but she's a black woman. And it was beautiful to see her taking up space and to see her in control of the room and to see her leading with grace and patience and love and to be this like beautiful woman of color. Mm. And that's not something that like, that was my first time having a female stage manager of color in uh, for a Broadway show. Yes. Describe this feeling of taking up space because in theory, mm-hmm. when you're an actor, you're always taking up space. You should always feel comfortable mm-hmm. to take up space, right? Like, like that's our job. Yeah. But you're talking about something deeper than that. Um, I'm talking about being unapologetically black or unapologetically yourself in a space that isn't necessarily built for your comfort. I guess that's the best way to say it. Or in a space that you don't always see yourself leading or you don't always see yourself being given power or given roles of substance or given roles that have an arc and a journey and aren't just like one dimensional, but actually have three dimensional characters that can be goofy or sassy if she wants to be, but that's not the prerequisite for the role. Or, you know, have these just life experiences. And it's not, they're not having this experience just because they're black. They're just having it because they're a human and they just so happen to be a person of color. Taking up space, not being afraid to use your voice or being afraid that like how you speak or the way you walk or the way you wear your hair or the way you dress or the music you listen to or any of that will be judged. It's just you are living freely and taking up your space. Yeah. You talked a little bit about this with the pipeline of creators, but 
Why do you feel like the racial diversity of our country isn't reflected on Broadway stages? On stage. Yeah. I think it has to be reflected behind the scenes before it can fully be represented on stage. So, like, I think it goes back to our creative teams. It goes to the people being given the opportunity to tell the stories. It goes to the playwright, the director, the music director, the wardrobe, makeup, every. It goes throughout all of those departments. And I think when those departments have more ethnicities and cultures and races represented, then we'll start to get more stories that are for more ethnicities and cultures and races. And we'll start to get more actors. You're talking about creative teams. You're an actor, primarily. Yes. How do you help steer the future of musical theater towards a more representative place as someone who's at the bottom of the totem pole? Right. (laughs) I think discussions like this with each other, with members of creative teams to sit down and maybe say, like, how do you think about this? And I think it's just important to continue to have these conversations because then little by little, you'll grab the attention of different creative teams or people who do have power or people who are higher up on the totem pole who can go, oh, that's something I should be thinking about. Let me also pass this on to someone else. So Mm -hmm. I think that's we have to continue to have these conversations and not just sit back and be silent about it. Whatever you can to be the change that you wish to see, you just have to do that. For me, uh, an example is over at Frozen, I had a fan who made me a doll, Mm -hmm. beautiful doll chocolate little princess and it's a little Anna and when I would go on I would see young girls with the Anna doll and of course the doll that we have at the um, merch is a white doll because that's the character from the movie that's like Patty and Casey are and so but when I went on I'm like I want them to be able to have a little (laughs) Anna that looks like them you know and growing up my mother made sure we had dolls and toys that looked like this so that we we were like, oh, we are beautiful too. We see ourselves represented in this way. And so I reached out to the fan and I asked her to make some dolls. And so she made a bunch of them. And when I'm on and I see a young lady who looks like me, I give them that doll. I'm like, this is the Anna that you saw. And this Anna also looks like you. And I want you to be able to take this little nugget home and like feel seen and represented. And so that's something that I did. And to me, that is a way to be the change that I wish to see. How do they respond? Do they oh my have- God, the first person I gave it to, this first, oh, her eyes got so big. She, I was just like, do you want this doll? And she was like, oh, yeah, like my heart burst into a million pieces. And I was like, okay, here you go. You can have it. And she was just so happy to take home a little piece of something that looked like the Anna she saw, but also looked like her. You're talking a lot about, you know, opportunities to teach. But I would think that the other side of that is that constantly being in teaching mode is exhausting. (laughs) Is annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But for me, I think that like, I just let my art speak for itself. And yes, I'll take the second to educate this person. But their ignorance or their comments don't stop me from um, walking in the purpose that I have by walking into this role and like representing young women of color and giving them giving them a role model of someone like, look, you can do this too. And your possibilities are limitless. And like you have, you, it's a fictional character. (laughs) And if you want to play her, you can play her. And it it can be annoying. And it's not all, it's not always my job to teach, but I can try. I can at least try once and then like, all right, bye-bye. 
where do you hope your career goes in terms of the kinds of roles you're getting to play? Um, I hope that I can continue to tell stories and take on characters that continue to show women of color that they are just as important as anyone else and have the right to be seen, you know, in all their glory and give that, give our younger generations of of color and not of color, just like inspiration to continue pursuing their dreams and to not like check certain roles off because they are people of color. That's my goal, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be a light and to inspire and like, yeah, make sure people feel seen and heard and encourage them, let them know that they can, they can do it. We can do it all. Yeah. Special thanks to Aisha Jackson for sharing her stories with us this week. The Ensemblist was produced today by me, Mo Brady. The Ensemblist is proud to be part of Broadway Podcast Network. If you can't get enough theater conversations from us directed into your earbuds, there are more than 30 other great theater podcasts to listen to. Check all of us out at bpn.fm. Also, we've joined the world of Patreon. You can support the work we do here at The Ensemblist for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash theensemblist. If you don't have the cash to donate $5 a month, you can help others find out about The Ensemblist by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And make sure you follow us on Instagram to see the latest episodes, posts from our website, and original photography of Broadway Ensemble actors. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.